When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paying the price for a homecoming victory, Slovis or Dart? Should there be a return of yell leaders? Latest coaching candidates leaderboard, Arizona State game preview, and our Pac-12 weekly predictions. Hi, everybody. My name is Greg Katz, and welcome to WeRSC's Inside the Trojan Huddle Game Week 10. Inside the Trojans Huddle is a game-like panel discussion with WeRSC columnists and staff writers. Let's start with the pregame show, which is our warm-ups where we meet this week's Inside the Trojans Huddle panelists. Mark Culkin, WeRSC columnist who writes Monday's Morass, yay or nay, Sunday takeaways in addition to practice reports. Eric McKenney, publisher and editor-in-chief of WeRSC.com. And I'm Greg Katz, your host and moderator, and we are SC columnists who writes the obvious and not so obvious and IMHO Sunday. All right, we're going to get right into this, get right into the first quarter. Uh, panel, your thoughts on the Arizona win and the loss of Drake London for the rest of the season. We'll go with the editor-in-chief, uh, Mr. Eric McKinney. What do you think, Eric? The Arizona game was was more of the same, and we all hit on this in, in our Five Things video right afterward. It, it's It's at this point, what you expect from USC, really offensively and defensively, the stories are Drake London's injury and what's going on at the quarterback thing. That, that's really all that matters kind of the, the rest of the way. Uh, Drake London, and, and you want to just take a minute to kind of remember everything that he's done this year, kind of the, the feeling that you got when you showed up ready to watch him play. Uh, what he brought to the practice field, what he brought to the Coliseum and, and the away games. And he was just a true professional every step of the way. You could see kind of during spring ball, uh, hey, you know, he's he really has something this year. He's, he's taken his game up another notch. And and I don't know if any of us expected kind of this from him, what, what he was able to do uh, in seven and a half games this year. So, again, just just devastating. I mean, it, it's it's when you're in the press box, nobody up there is, is cheering. It's, it's pretty quiet kind of throughout the game. When he got hurt, you could feel it there. You could feel just kind of the air go out of the, the team, the stadium. And, and even up in the press box, it, it was just kind of, he meant that much to USC this year and, and just kind of the experience of, of watching the game, of covering the game. So that, that was huge. And then now you kind of spin it forward and, and, you know, maybe you guys want to touch on this, but, what happens next that that's that's the question i think usc there are options but there have been options all year and so who steps up and and who starts who starts catching the ball a little bit more i think that's the big question coming out of arizona okay mark your take on it yeah um you know eric you know kind of touched on all the bases regarding drake um you know your heart's broken for that for that young man um, you, you see what he puts into the into practice every day, and you see what he does on game day. And just to have that yanked away when he's setting, you know, he's setting a pace that, my gosh, I, I think people are actually looking forward to what can this guy do um, before the season comes to an end. So for it to end that way, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Um, you know, it was one of the few reasons why fans were still coming to the games. Um, so hopefully uh, – They'll still come out and support the team. But as far as the game itself, um, it was a win. Any win is a good win, as they say, right? Although after you left the stadium, it was more like, hey, hey no, they barely won. And this is going to be the last one of the season. Um, and not because they lost Drake London, just because you're not seeing this team improve. So on that note, um, yeah, it was homecoming. They got the win. You can see the crowd behind me. Um, that's what it looked like. Almost literally. So, yeah. It was a weird, weird day. Didn't feel right. 
Well, uh, for those of you that are listening on a podcast, uh, what Mark is referring to is that he's got a background of an empty coliseum, and uh, it was pretty grim. I will, I will say that. Uh, I, of course, have a background. For those of you that are listening in on on Spotify or iTunes, what have you, uh, my background actually is a full coliseum. Maybe what happened is the people got the wrong address and showed up to my background as opposed to uh, Mark Culkin's. It's a possibility, uh, you know, a conspiracy, but nonetheless, uh, it's anything's possible with this Trojan season. I've got um, 15 but, minutes of timestamp showing an empty Coliseum before kickoff. <laughs> Continue. Unfortunately, I believe you. Uh, okay, how do I look at the game? You know, I, if, you, if you play sports or you coach it, you always know there's going to be that one game that's going to supposed to make you feel good, right? Oh, we'll play them. And of course, homecoming is the designated. We're going to feel good because you stink and we know it. And, you know, if we can run it up to 44 to nothing, we're going to do it. And we'll all be happy for a week. But this is not the game that made you feel that way. But this game made you feel like is we're just glad we didn't lose to these guys. And what would the headlines have been nationally? Uh, you know, a 19 game losing streak. Uh, what could be worse for USC at this point? Uh, well, you know what? I don't know what, what could be worse. Of course, what was worse was the loss of Drake London. Uh, I, I feel bad for London. I feel bad for the fans. Uh, it was like a season incomplete for him. He was on the precipice of being one of the great, great receivers of all time at SC. Kind of how I felt a little bit, but not as much compassion, actually, for as I have for, for London. But when Mike Williams left early to the NFL, it's like, my goodness, how great could this guy have been if he had, you know, uh, come back that one extra year that he should have done. And look how his career ended. It was really a sad ending for him football-wise because he never attained what he could have attained at SC. But for London, you know, I hope he gets the Bolitnikoff Award. I think, I mean, there's only four games left. The guy was so dominant. Uh, but, you know, sometimes that stuff doesn't always work. We see that happen in the Heisman. Somebody gets hurt and, they, you know, all of a sudden you're out of there. But maybe the last four games, the the voters will have some compassion. But, you know, the thing I liked about London and the only redeeming uh, silver lining to me was, and I actually wrote this for Sunday in my uh, IMHO Sunday, was he got hurt. He understood why he got hurt. It was not a malicious hit. It was not a dirty hit. He didn't go over the middle and somebody held him up and another guy drilled him. He said as he was carted off, you know, it's just part of the game. And as painful as it was for him, it just is part of the game. So I will always remember Drake London because we I think we all would agree that he's not coming back. Uh, the good news, I guess he will be okay to, to participate in the, some of the tryout the situations for the NFL and good for him. So if there is a silver lining to this whole weekend, it was that he's going to be able to be back in the NFL uh, combines, I guess. We're hoping that all ends up true. So good, good for him. Uh, you know, the Trojans are going to have four games left. And, uh, you know, that brings up a lot of questions, which brings us to quarter number two. Um, panel, Keaton Slovis or Jackson Dart? Is it time for USC to make a starting change at quarterback? How do you feel about it? Uh, let's start off with uh, Mark. How do you feel about it? Yeah, well, it, it, I think it's just the inevitable waiting to happen. Um, I, I think we're starting to kind of get weaned into it based on what what we saw at practice yesterday. Um, the the first team reps were, I think Eric was charting them, was almost 50% equal, Steven, even Steven. And I'm not talking about, you know, alternating series. They were alternating reps during a series. So I, I think Keaton is going to start um, as when they, when they get to Tempe. Uh, win or lose, though, I think Jackson might be starting – uh, when they hit the road going to Berkeley the following week. It's just the way things are kind of playing out. The answers you're hearing from the coaching staff, from the players. Um, yeah, I think, you know, with four games left, you know, it's about looking to the future. And again, just, you know, reading the tea leaves, the body language, and listening to the players and the coaches. Um, there's a transition going on right now. So, you know, depending on who, how, who, and how they play this weekend, I uh, will probably make the final factor. But uh, yeah, there's a change happening. 
So let me ask you, uh, Mark, you, you wouldn't call this a controversy as much as a competition. How do you view it? Oh, it's a, it's definitely a, a, a competition. There's no controversy. Something I noticed yesterday at practice, and, and thanks for bringing this up, you know, Keaton is one, we would, we would classify him as the more reserved personality between him and Jackson Dart. Yesterday, Keaton was extra loud, um, more vocal than I've ever noticed, you know, trying to get the team pumped up. And I don't know if he's trying to go outside his personality, but it just seemed a little forced. So, okay. Yeah, I think it is a competition right now. He didn't really have that last year. And as a freshman, once JT went down, it was his team. So, yeah, right now he is really experiencing that competition for the first time, I think, at USC. And maybe that's what generated that question, why? I don't know. Eric, what do you think? Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm I'm on the same page as you. And this has felt like ever, ever since Dante Williams took over as the interim coach, it, it seemed like the idea of Jackson Dart eventually, maybe not being the starter, but eventually taking a significant number of snaps in a game at some point during the season got put in motion. And, and that's what we were going to see. Uh, the injury against Washington State obviously derailed that. But for me, it, it was a major statement that the first game that he can play in after that, that being Arizona, uh, he get the, the plan coming in was for him to get the third and the fourth series. That shook up a little bit. He ended up getting the fourth and the fifth series. The other thing was that he was going to play the fourth quarter. And I thought Dante Williams, it, it was interesting that he kind of came out and said, basically, yeah, we thought we were going to be way ahead in the fourth quarter. And that's why we were going to get Jackson Dart in there. It was very telling to me that when they were not way ahead in the fourth quarter, they're up by seven with six minutes left. And Arizona on offense at that point felt like they were going to score a touchdown every time they touched the ball. This was a drive for USC where if they didn't score, it looked very much like Arizona was going to tie it up and have it be a, a really tight game there at the end. Jackson Dart goes out and runs that drive. They, they don't ask him to throw. Keontae Ingram breaks off that big run, and, and he kind of handles it on the way to a field goal. But you changed the, the, the plan coming in. You changed it because that second series was so short, a two-play touchdown drive. You gave Keaton Slovis that third series instead of going to Jackson Dart there. So this was a plan that you'd already changed in that game. You easily could have thrown Keaton Slovis back out there with six minutes left. The guy you trust, you know, maybe more than a true freshman uh, and let him handle that. You didn't, you, they, they went with Jackson Dart at that time at, at a very important series. And that kind of tells me everything I need to know about how the coaches feel about Jackson Dart and where he ranks kind of with Keaton. Again, if in his first game back where he clearly is not a hundred percent where he's running all over the place and, and doing all of the kind of athletic stuff that he can do, if you're going to go ahead and go with him at that time, in that situation, in that game, when he's kind of the, the way he is, and in a game where Keaton Slovis had had certainly played fine. I mean, the, the one mistake, the interception that gets returned, but, you know, he hadn't thrown six passes that were nearly intercepted and not running the offense well and not scoring points or, or anything like that. So, yeah, that, that was kind of the first sense. Again, like you mentioned in practice, what we saw, you know, th this is not something where, Dart is being slowly eased back into something. He's getting tossed right in there and he's going. It does feel like that train is, is coming on, coming on real strong right now. And, and so to see them, I don't know, eventually split 50-50 or, or maybe even Dart pull ahead or something, uh, that doesn't feel kind of out of the realm of possibility. And it's and and we've all said this kind of at various points on this show, on our on our five things show after uh, post game stuff. You you feel for Keaton in this situation because again, he's not fumbling the ball everywhere and and the reason that they're losing or anything like that. And he has put in a ton of work and he's played through injury and he's kind of done. Feels like he's done everything the coaches have asked the entire time. Uh, you get a guy like Jackson Dart who has a spark and kind of catches the eye of a coaching staff. And, and this is, this is part of football. I mean, it, the, the one that's not getting a lot of attention right now, uh, kind of in, in media circles is Vavai Malapaya at, at running back. He's a guy, again, 
done everything he's ever needed to do, played through injury, played tough, had that phenomenal game against UCLA last year. Again, eased out of the starting lineup, kind of almost eased out of playing time completely, had a couple runs uh, against Arizona. But yeah, Keontae Ingram comes in, Darwin Barlow comes in, and you, there, there's a way in football of easing guys out and, and sending guys forward. And, and I think that's certainly what we're seeing right now, you know, with, with Keaton and Jackson. So yeah, the idea that it's a competition, it, you know, if you want to call it a controversial competition, I get, you know, there's people that are, that are certainly going to look at it that way, but uh, yeah, this, the, the way the coaches talked about Jackson Dart all the way back to spring and certainly during fall and, and when the season started, I uh, maybe felt a little bit inevitable that by the end of the year, especially with all this chaos, going on with the team and uh, coaching change and players hurt and uh, not winning games uh, consistently. Yeah. This maybe was coming the whole time. Well, I'm going to take a little bit of a different viewpoint than, uh, than our fellow panelists. I'm sure they knew this was coming. Um, I do not like the way it's been handled. And that's the controversy to me, the competition and the controversy are two separate issues, but they do intersect because you know it's okay if one player is doing good but another player can do better okay the object is to win this is not a recreation league this is an athletic league people are getting paid big bucks to win games we all understand that but there's a sense with Keaton Slovis that this has been so mishandled and it reminds me of the the Max Brown and, and Sam Darnold one where we all knew in uh, in preseason that Darnold should have been the quarterback over Max Brown. And, you know, it, it, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, I had a lot of compassion watching uh, Slovis ask the question. I think Mark touched on a little bit. What, why? I asked the coaches, what, why? What am I doing wrong? And that shows you the inexperience of handling a situation. And uh, you know what? Okay, I have a lot of compassion for interim coaches. They're asked to do some things that, you know, they weren't prepared to do. But this has been so mangled to me. Uh, I don't like the idea that that Slovis, who's probably as loyal a soldier as you're going to get, has to say in public, uh, I don't know what. I asked them, what did I do wrong? This should have all been taken care of. And when you have an offensive coordinator who, uh, to be quite nice about it, has fumbled so many things in his stubbornness and the way, look, and if that's the way you are going to go, uh, you know, there's your players are human beings. Their parents are, are there. Their advisors, their coaches. You know, it it it's a, it's not the maze it used to be, maybe, but it is the way the maze is now. So, you know, Jackson, if Jackson Dart didn't play another down, I'd be okay with it, so that he doesn't get hurt the last three games. But you don't play football with the idea that you're going to get hurt. It's part of the game. Ask Drake London. But. Uh, Personally, uh, I have no problem if they start uh, Slovis. There's only four games left, and I I tend to agree with both of you guys. I would say the percentages of SC getting to a bowl game are not great. Uh, you know, uh, we'll talk about predictions later, but uh, you know, I I just wish it would have been handled better, and then and, and that's kind of how I feel about it. And you know, I'm I'm an old guy who coached for a long time, and I know that player coach relationships are very, very important because the rest of the team is watching this. I mean, honestly speaking, and you guys probably might know, uh, I don't even know why uh, uh, Alex Stathouse is, 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 is kicking now. Maybe, maybe, uh, you know, Parker Lewis is hurt maybe, but we'd get no definitive answer. I think Mark, you in one of your columns, you thought that maybe he had some injury or was on what you call Island, you know, getting therapy, whatever he's doing, but the, the cloak and dagger stuff, come on. You know, some of it's just like, okay, he broke a rule. He's not playing. Okay, fine. We're, we're all good with it. But nobody seemed to know. So communication between coaches and players at this point, it's all about leadership. And the leadership is the adults, and they should be doing a better job of it. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that. All right. Well, we're going to lighten up a little bit here. And I think most of you uh, will have some sort of thing. It's, I don't know if I even call this tongue-in-cheek because I think it does get serious at some point, but for homecoming, the announced attendance was 55,435, and some say it was closer to 25,000 or even less, and it was fairly quiet inside the Coliseum, give a take a play here or there. 
Did you just juice those numbers by another thousand, Greg? Because I could have sworn it was fifty-four thousand or fifty-two thousand. I just went off what uh, was on the uh, final oh. box that uh, okay. they distribute to the media. You may have a better idea than the, the media. I, well, Mark, I count- know. Mark counted them all individually, and uh, I, I know he can't count to fifty-five thousand. So I, I, I'd say it's probably less than that. <laughs> yeah, I, I guarantee. It. Well, just let's all remember on the serious side, it's not really about who how the turnstiles click. It's tickets sold in a lot of cases. And the, the Trojans aren't the only team. The Dodgers do the same thing. They 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 do it. But I, I don't like when they say, unless they say this was tickets sold, uh, you know, make some sort of clarification. But getting back to the halftime here, is it time to bring back yell leaders instead of relying on the giant video board for crowd participation? Uh, what do you think, Eric? That's, you know, that's going to be tough. I think it's, we, we live in a world where uh, people want to watch videos and, and that's kind of how things are. And I think a lot of it is, is with, I mean, on a serious note with NIL now and, and with player branding and all of that kind of stuff, it's important to the players. It's important to the program to really promote those guys as individuals. And, and again, football is one of those, sports where guys can stay anonymous because they're wearing their helmet the whole time. And it's tough to know kind of what they look like. If you can put them up on the screen, that's something that's going to benefit uh, the players. I, I have no problem. If you want to kind of add new stuff, I don't think any of us love the the DJ in game or, or anything like that. Um, when I was at school, there were yell leaders still and, and that kind of thing. And it's, it certainly worked for us in, in the student section. Uh Ultimately, if if it's if you're at SC and you're talking about, you know, how do we get the fans involved and how we do this? There there's bigger problems going on, going on with the uh, with the team and kind of direction of of everything going. But I do think there is I I mean, on on a serious note, I, I do think there is a need for USC to do a better job in game of promoting those players. They They really talked a big game coming in to nil and and to that announcement and and we can do all this stuff now and on a on a few small occasions you've seen guy king slovis and uh, drake london here or there kind of promote things that that they've been involved with but ultimately it usc has not made anywhere close to the splash in that that a lot of other programs have And, and i know that there's kind of that line you have to figure out between what USC can do to promote the guys and what the players have to do sort of on their own. Uh, but I think part of it is, is letting fans know, Hey, these are these guys, these are their personalities and, and this is what they can do uh, so that they can use that outside of USC and, and go ahead and, uh, and try to take advantage of that. Mark, what are your, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, what Eric brought up and I know where you're coming from, Greg, cause I was thinking about this for a while that, you know, I still ha- can't remember the last SoCal spell out this season. Good point. So there, there's just there's no tradition at USC anymore. You know, on game day, you know, you still have the, the lighting of the torch, and you still have Traveler, and you still have the Song Girls and the band. Um, but it they don't coalesce well together. It, it's just it's kind of all over the place. So in this day of video, maybe they can marry the two of NIL and the tradition. Have the players up on the video board teaching guys how to, you know, teaching the fans how to do a SoCal spell out, leading the SoCal spell out. Just, I don't know, there, there has to be a way of bringing the past into the future and involving the fans and keeping the band front and center where the DJ can be there, but not, you know, hey, turn the DJ down. I mean, because that's what it's come to. So, yeah, again, Eric said it very well at the end. There's much bigger problems to worry about, but because there's no, I don't know, at least in my opinion, there's no attachment, you know, that is part of the problem, you know, and that's why the fans aren't showing up. It's it's this much of why the fans aren't showing up, but again, you go the tailgating scene. It's horrible. Get rid of the blind fence around the Coliseum first. Get rid of that. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you how I think about it because I was, I grew up in the era of the yell eaters. Okay. And I remember when block that kick was very loud in the Coliseum, the yell eaters were actually 
uh, in the early days, very football uh, savvy. Uh, the team would break the huddle and they, every, the whole Coliseum would yell first down. Uh, there was the other ones where, uh, you know, defense was being just like at a basketball game. Uh, so I, I think both of you brought up a good point. Could you marry yell leaders into today's system? Could you have a player lead a SoCal spell out? Could you have a player yelling, uh, you know, when the team breaks the huddle first down? One of the annoying things about yell leaders to be objective about it was in those days, they had a PA system that would face the student body, which was in those days right behind the bench. So there really was a field. The students were backing the team. And you would hear, uh, because it was a loud system, okay, first down on three, one, two, three, first down, right? And it did get the crowd involved. It made them part of the game. Now, if they could make it part of the game using the video board, now this goes back to game management. Most colleges and universities that are there, and I've been associated with some of them, to be honest with you, uh, they have a special division in the, in their uh, game management department that's uh, specifically about things like DJs and how are we going to get the fan involvement. They need to, I think, bring in somebody to actually discuss what we're discussing and say, how can we get those? I mean, if you go to a game in the South or you, if you remember going to see SC in Alabama or, Al, or Auburn, you heard the fan. I mean, their tradition is like, you know what? <laughs> the uniforms might be a little advanced, but their crowd involvement is like, sensational and it's a really a throwback to the old days of uh, when yell leaders meant something but in SC's case the song leaders became the objective and they got away with it but you know I think that fans want to be led if they can do it and uh, hopefully uh, somehow they can review the game atmosphere certainly for next year because it's a do or die year for them coaching wise and atmosphere wise uh, and then this is another subject we'll talk about later how do you recapture the fans but all right, let's head to the third quarter. Uh, and I'm really getting excited about this because we're in November. Uh, you know, we, we keep wondering who is going to be the head coach at SC. And you're starting to watch and hone in on names. I actually think I know who it's going to be if all things are done. But I'm going to reserve that. But I'm going to very quickly, I'm going to start this one off. And then I'm going to ask you guys to rank your top five uh, from five to one. Well, and now this could change next week for you guys. I understand that. Uh, but let's just take a look at maybe five candidates that I've put down that, be, that seem to be in the news currently. Okay. So let's start off with David Aranda. I'm going to give you the, uh, they're, they're ranked currently number 14. They're moving up. They're seven and one. They defeated Texas uh, uh, last Saturday, 31 to 24 in Waco. And they're going to play at TCU uh, this week. Okay. Uh, which is going to be interesting since uh, Patterson is uh, not going to be the head coach there uh, in the future. So how fired up will they be? Uh, Matt Campbell, of course, from Iowa State. They're now five and three, having lost uh, 38-31 at West Virginia in Morgantown. Uh, they're going to play Reeling, Texas, which has a three-game losing streak now. Way to go, Sark. Uh, Luke Fickle, number two, hanging in there, Cincinnati. And we know that uh, we're, by the way, for those of you who are wondering, I, I'm going to just interject real quickly here. Those of you that are wondering why this is, uh, um, inside the Trojans huddles on a Wednesday is because the team is practicing on practice on Monday. Therefore they want a Tuesday off for elections, which kind of switch our schedules. So those of you are going, well, what's the deal? That's the deal. We'll, we'll always be here on Tuesday, but it was an election thing that changed everything up. So Matt Campbell, they're going to be playing Texas next. Uh, and then we went to Luke Fickle, number two, Cincinnati. They're eight. No, they beat Tulane 31 to 12 in New Orleans. They're going to play at, at Tulsa. Uh, James Franklin. Well, there was a name that was kind of a leaderboard type of person. Uh, they're dropping, uh, 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 unbelievable. Uh, they're 22, uh, uh, in the country. Now they're five and three. They lost at Ohio state 33, 24. They're going to be at Maryland. Uh, Bill O'Brien, uh, number three, Alabama. They're seven and one. They had a bye week. They're going to be playing uh, uh, LSU at home. And my last one that I had on the board here was uh, Jonathan Smith, Oregon State, five and two. They lost uh, a little surprising to me, 39 to 25 at Cal. They'll play an exhibition game uh, on Saturday against uh, Arizona. Uh, so 
those are the people that I think that are the names are in the news there. Uh, but I'm curious to know, based on the results of last weekend and as of today, I'd like you guys to rank uh, your list of five, or you can stay with whatever I have. I I didn't necessarily put mine uh, in five to one, uh, but uh, five to one, uh, one being the top choice. So, Mark, what, what do you think? Um, I, I want to throw Mel Tucker's name into my top five list. Okay. I, I'm not sure where I have him yet, um, but he definitely um, stepped up his game. They knocked off Michigan this past weekend. And when you combine that with what he did in his very short time at Colorado, changing that culture around, so to speak, and then going up to East Lansing and taking, you know, being the stepbrother in that state, and now having a legitimate Heisman contending running back, um, he just brings that certain toughness. So I'm Mel Tucker right now is in my top five. He's just in that list. Uh, number four, only because I, I know it's not going to happen, but I want to keep Matt Rule in there. Um, if, if somehow or another, you know, it happens, um, yay. So, but in the realistic realm, uh, James Franklin is at number three, but he is, I don't want him. He's just there because I think USC is looking that direction, but for a different reason. And I'm not going to touch on it, but uh, he's, he's not the guy for USC, but I have a feeling he's going to be one of the finalists, one of the final two candidates that gets, that they're going to choose between. Um, Luke Fickle, obviously, but I, I think everyone would agree he's probably not coming. And I don't think USC can wait until after the playoffs. So that's the other main reason. Uh, all the way to the top of my list right now is Dave Aranda. Um, I, I think he's doing enough, regardless of anything else that happens. He He's from SoCal. He brings a defensive mindset, which I think is what this team needs going forward. No more offensive philosophy, um, because that just tends to get all over the place, depending on what quarterback, who's available, yada, yada. I want a football coach that is focused on defense first. So, um, yeah, Dave Aranda. That's that, that's my list right there. All right, Eric, what's, what, what, what say ye? Yeah, I got I'm Dave Aranda is, is right at the top of me. And I, I think Mel Tucker, what he's done, you look back at his previous stops, you mentioned Colorado and <laughs> Georgia too. I mean, th this is a, another defensive minded coach who has gotten it done at every step and, and certainly the LSU job being open, that's an intriguing name, I, I think, for LSU. Uh, but uh, but I almost just need Aranda right now. I'm I'm okay if you kind of go all in on him. I, I think you look at Baylor last year, I think a coach being able to kind of catch that season, turn it around, and, and do what he's done this year, uh, I, I think that's a real strong turn. You mentioned Southern, Cal, Southern, Southern California roots, defensive-minded coach. I mean, th those are two – uh, big check, big boxes to check off uh, for me. I think that's good. I, I always thought from the beginning that it would be probably fickle until it's not. And certainly as time goes on and, and he kind of keeps doing what he's doing with Cincinnati and, and you hear more and more that he's pretty comfortable there and, and could stay there. Uh, that becomes maybe less likely, but again, USC is not going to hear, I think, no one time and then say, okay, well, we can't, we can't get him. Uh, I don't think it's, you know, that easy when it comes to, to this whole process. I also don't think it's, it's as easy where one win here makes him a, a more likely candidate and a loss here makes him a less likely, likely candidate. Uh, I think like what Mark said, James Franklin has to stay on the list just because again, like I said, I, I think, I think he's a guy that would say yes to a big time offer from a big time program. And again, at the end of the day, the only quality that the guy is going, the only quality we know that the guy's going to have is that he's going to say yes to, to a USC offer. Uh, so, so that's certainly going to be big. Um, and I, I think, I think that's kind of, you know, if, if you want to throw in that rule in there or that kind of thing, the, the one wild card that I'd have is 
Brandon Sosna is, is Mike Bones' chief of staff, and he comes from an NFL background and, and is analytical and, and is going to, you know, see the entire picture and all of that kind of thing. I'm, I'm not completely ruling out the idea that he has kind of some money ball candidate that's a, you know, a coordinator in the NFL, uh, potentially on that list where when you hear the name, you start kind of looking at what he's done and it's like, Oh, that that's really impressive. You know what, that, that kind of thing. Again, I'm, I'm not going to put money on that. I, I think the idea of having success as a college head coach for me is more important than success in the NFL because they are, they are so different. Um, so again, I, I think those names, the Aranda, Fickle, Tucker, maybe at the top, again, no surprise, defensive guys uh, right there. I, I think you're kind of, you're, you're comfortable with that list. I also think it's going to be interesting. I think we're going to see a lot of, of spots open up and mm-hmm. coaches that maybe weren't, uh, you know, available over the last month are going to start to be available because it sure feels like it's panic all across college football right now. And a lot of programs are maybe thinking we should be better than we are right now. Uh, I don't know how many national championships these guys think are handed out every year, but uh, it feels like a lot of coaches are going to be asked to, to move on at some point. So it's going to be, feels like uh, over the next month or so, um, maybe kind of a free for all, all all over college football. Uh, But again, so wrapping up, I'm going to go with, with Aranda, with Mark, really comfortable um, with him and and what he's done right now. and, And I think how he would do at USC. Well, you know, you guys have piqued my my uh, enthusiasm just a, a tad with some of the things you said. Uh, I'm going to briefly throw in my two cents. Um, uh, I don't want Franklin. I don't like what he does. I think the idea of the uh, uh, rape cases at Vanderbilt are still out there. Uh, look, if, if you're Dr. Carol Folt and you are a Mike Bone and you're Sosna, uh, look, you have said integrity is a big issue. Uh I can just see the LA Times. I can see the marches on USC by groups saying you you hiring this guy with this in in the time period in which we live. I and I don't. I think Franklin to me uh, is about Franklin. Uh, you know, yes, I agree that one game doesn't make you know a guy's life. You know, he lost at Ohio State. A lot of people lose at Ohio State, but to me, he's got a pattern, and I I don't feel comfortable with that pattern. Uh, Fickle's not going anywhere. Uh, and I will, let me just go back and I'm going to say this for the present. Uh, I too believe that Aranda is the pro is the correct choice. I, I think you're seeing it almost everywhere. The thing I don't like Tucker, I'll tell you why, because he keeps switching jobs and, uh, he loves money, nothing wrong with money, but stability is very important, especially for USC. If it's going to be a treasured job, it can't be one where, well, if it's so treasured, why do people not apply for it? Or why do they uh, shy away from it? Is it the uh, the backing of administration? No. If Tucker came to SC for three years, then jumped to the NFL, I wouldn't be real happy about that. I think Aranda is the most stable of all of them. Uh, forget the fact that he's not, uh, you know, the personality of Franklin or Pete Carroll or whatever. You know what SC fans want right now? Just win championships and go to the playoffs. Let the winning and losing speak for itself. And Aranda, I've watched him now in in his press conferences. He's a cerebral guy. He's not Mr. Here. Here's a joke you can put in a book uh, later about what I said. So I'm going with Aranda right now. I'm almost ready to write a column that that I want Aranda. I'm going to err on the side of caution. I just want to just see one more time. But I'm sold in every check mark that he has. And like Mike Mark Culkin uh, said, he's from Southern California. He's about 45, somewhere in that uh, age group. Look, he went to Cal Lutheran. He went to Redlands High School. He knows what SC is all about. He can feel that passion. You know, uh, what I get worried about is I worry that Sosna or Bone see things differently than maybe people who grew up in this area and think of SC, and I'm concerned about that. Uh, I'm concerned about Bone's past track record in hiring coaches, but that's a topic for another day. Uh, 
I hope that uh, that they pick someone that everyone can agree on and will be excited about. And in my opinion, right now, uh, Dave Aranda checks all my boxes. So not to belabor the point, let's move on to the fourth quarter, the symbolic lighting of the Coliseum torch. Uh, the Trojans are now four and four, three and three in the Pac-12 South. How big a game is Saturday's game at ASU and your thoughts on the game itself? So Eric, why don't you start us off there? I mean, it, it's big in that you, you need to get within one game of bowl eligibility, right? So, so if you can win this game, then you've got three chances to win. Those bowl practices are, are really important. When you are playing a bunch of true freshmen as they are right now and, and you want to get maybe Jackson Dart, you know, some more reps, you've got uh, some of those true freshman defensive backs and, and guys like that, you – it's important for USC to go to a bowl this year to, to play those, to do those practices. And again, you're going to answer later. Do you have a coach in place by then? Does the interim coach take them through that? However, however that plays out, if USC gets there, uh, it's important to be able to put that time in. If all of a sudden the, the season stops after BYU and you don't get that, that's not generating a lot of momentum for when the new coach does come in. So in that regard, yeah, it's, it's big. You, you always want to beat Arizona State. That's a team that's kind of started yapping a little bit at, at USC over the last handful of years. Uh, and, and so going out there and, and doing that, trying to take advantage of Arizona State on a two-game losing streak, and now questions are being asked of, of Herm Edwards all of a sudden this season. You know, is Arizona State getting enough from him? So you hope if you're USC you can take the momentum – whatever momentum a win over Arizona can create for you. But that kind of kind of rallying around Drake London not being there and whatever you're going to get from the quarterback situation and all that and go out and, and win that game. Ultimately, in the history of USC, does this game mean a whole lot? Probably not. This is not something that's going to you know make or break a, a Rose Bowl bid or anything like that. Uh, but again, it, it would be tough to lose – you know, these last four games or, or three out of the last four and, and miss a bowl game. So in, in that regard, it's the Pac-12. I mean, literally any team, maybe maybe excluding Arizona, maybe Colorado's in that too. But if, if you told me a score and put two teams on it, I, sure, I'd believe you. I mean, any, any, any program in this conference can be any program. I don't expect USC to go out and beat Arizona State based on what we saw against Arizona, based on what we've seen this entire season without your know, first game, full game without having Drake London, that's a lot to ask for them to go out and, and win a road game at, at night against Arizona State. But yeah, it, it could happen. I mean, it, it's the Pac-12. We, we certainly expect every weekend there to be something that you just don't anticipate. You, you mentioned it talking about Jonathan Smith. I don't think a whole lot of people had Cal really beaten up on, on Oregon State this past weekend. So maybe it's time for USC to, to go out and do that to Arizona State. Is that is that a possibility, Mr. Culkin? Um, sure, why not? Anything's a possibility. Like Eric said, in this conference, who knows? I mean, we were talking about this at practice yesterday. There, there's a distinct possibility that the Pac-12 is going to be replacing 50 to 60% of their head coaches by season's end. When you think about it. So, yeah, who knows? But as far as USC versus ASU, you know, Arizona might be ASU's rival, but let, let's be honest here. Um, ASU kind of sees themselves as East California. There are so many players from Southern California in that program that they take it personally when they play USC because they're almost like USC's second choice. They didn't get to USC, so they went to ASU. Um, and so I, I see this game, number one, ASU plays very physical. They're going to take some, have some fun. There's going to be some chirping. I anticipate a lot of penalties, a lot of mistakes. And the team that turns the ball over the least is going to win. Um, I think, what, last week ASU turned it over their first three possessions or something. Um, I didn't see the game. I'm just, someone mentioned that, and I'm just, I think that's what I heard. So if that's the case. I'm anticipating a sloppy game. Uh, however, I do see a heavy run game coming from USC. Um, without Drake London, you know, 
I don't know what to expect in this passing game because I'm not sure the quarterbacks know where to go. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. I think the team that makes the least amount of mistakes is going to win this game. That's what it's come down to for both of these programs. Okay, well, here's my perspective on the whole deal. I think it's a big game only because, remember, in the preseason, USC was picked to win the Pac-12 South, and Arizona State was supposed to be the big cheese following them. And we were all thinking this game this Saturday was going to be maybe for the South Division Championship. Obviously, USC uh, exited that uh, that off-ramp uh, early on. Uh, I think this ASU team knows, uh, first of all, from an SC perspective, there is intrigue for me is like, how bad can the season get? Can they really lose the next four games in a row? So in a perverse kind of way, I'm just going to go, hmm, that's going to be an interesting, uh, and it all starts Saturday night. Uh, I also think that uh, ASU is going to say, look, we have what, maybe a 4% chance of catching Utah. Not very good, but we have a chance. So let's take it out on the Trojans because we got embarrassed by Washington State. And it was an embarrassment, believe me. Uh, I don't I don't see SC, uh, from my perspective, if they went to a bowl game, I think all the bowl practice stuff, well, you know, the freshmen will get better and all that. I don't think that applies to this uh, situation because you're going to have a whole new coaching staff that's going to have all new fundamentals. And uh, you got these other coaches that are going to be going, well, where am I going to be? I got to I got to scramble to see where, you know, if I can get a maybe Clay Hilton will hire me, uh, uh, you know, when it's confirmed at uh, Georgia Southern. Uh, it's wherever he's going. Uh, so I, I, I think that really, honestly, I think the game is going to be who wants it the most for whatever reason they want it the most. And if they do, if SC pulls it out, okay, now it's exciting. There's three games to go. The, is Cal going to be the, the, you know, the, the cornerstone game. If we can beat Cal, then maybe we could sweep UCLA and, and BYU. But, uh, you know, it's kind of sad, really, when you think that uh, as SC supporters and fans that, you know, hey, are we going to get six wins to go to a bowl game? My feeling is nobody should go to a bowl game at six, six, in six and six uh, and, or seven and five even. But that's a, a discussion for another time. So we'll, uh, we'll see how that game plays out. Uh, and like I said, who wants it the most? All right, let's go to overtime. Uh this is where our panel predicts the uh, Pac-12 conference games. Uh, just for point of clarification, UCLA and Washington State have drawn a bye this week. So we start off Friday night. Uh, Utah is at Stanford, 7.30 p.m. game on FS1. Uh, Utah is picked by six points. Do you agree with that, Mark? I agree with it. But again, it's the Pac-12. It's Friday night. Stanford wins. Wow. I can see Stanford uh, giving it's them a just one of those things. It's a Friday night thing. And it's Stanford. <laughs> Eric, is there anything to uh, – it's Stanford. Does that mean anything? I'm, I'm upset that we couldn't pick UCLA against the bye. Um, <laughs> something that I would have spent some time thinking about. Uh, St- Mark's, Mark's absolutely right. If everybody's healthy, I'm, I would absolutely take Stanford in that game. Stanford's got some injury concerns at some key positions, and so that's kind of the only reason that, that I would take uh, Utah this weekend. But, yeah, I mean, a, a Friday night game when Utah looks like they've completely locked up the South and, and you know, maybe one of the strongest teams right now in, in the conference, of course that's a game that, that they should lose. But uh, I'll, I'll take Utah <laughs> – to beat Stanford again, only because I, I, I don't know what the injury uh, situation is going to end up being for Stanford. Well, I think that Utah is going to win the game. I think the passing of the two players is such a momentous uh, state of karma for that team that they're going to band together and say, we're going to win it all for the two players that passed away, unfortunately. Uh, so I'm going to go with the motivation factor that Utah will come and Get Stanford some of its own medicine along the offensive lines, and uh, I'm taking I'm taking Utah. Okay, Saturday we got four games. Uh, it leads off with Cal at Arizona, 12 p.m. Pat 12 Network. Cal is favored by 12. Uh, what do you say to that one, uh, Mark? You said it's at Arizona. Yes, it's at Arizona. The losing streak ends. Tucson. <laughs> they're they're gonna, gonna get their, they're gonna get their win. 
And I got a bonus for you, Eric. So because we don't get to pick UCLA versus bye, will a UCLA receiver pass Drake London by season's end? No, of course not. Of course okay. not. Not close. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. I, I think Drake London on those crutches could get out there. You know, if, if Keaton Slovis could get a little bit of time, Drake London could <laughs> hobble five yards downfield and you could toss him a ball up and, and he'd come down with it. I, I still think he might have a couple catches in him this year. All right. So who are you taking, Eric? Uh, I'm again, I'm almost, I'm almost with Mark until Jamari Joyner, uh, the, the quarterback receiver quarterback, wildcat quarterback, uh, for Arizona. It doesn't sound like he's going to play against Cal. If he was going to play and he was fully healthy, I'd absolutely be on board with Arizona beating Cal. But, uh, if he doesn't play, I have got, I've got Cal there. So right, I'm impressed with a non-mobile quarterback able to run. I, I think they need. I think they need both of them. Okay. All right. I'm. I'm going with Cal. I think the. I think the victory that Cal had uh, against Oregon State is going to carry over. Uh, if if it doesn't, then that tells you why Cal is Cal. Okay. Uh, but uh, I think Arizona has shown that they play hard in every game, and uh, you know they. That, let's face it. They took SC, which at this point in time maybe isn't a big deal, into the fourth quarter, uh, and who knows. Who knows? All right. Oregon State at Colorado, 4 p.m. Pac-12 Network. Uh, Oregon State by 12 points. Uh, what do you say, uh, Eric? Yeah, I th- God, I, I so I mean, I so badly wanted to go with Stanford and Arizona and Colorado. I mean, three games that should <laughs> should absolutely be blowouts uh, the other way. But I think Oregon State has has a way to bounce back again. You know, we've we've all been pretty impressed with Jonathan Smith. I think I, I think he finds a way to kind of get them to rebound uh, from that Cal game and and goes out and and beats Colorado. But uh, gosh, that that's another one where I kind of I kind of would like to take Colorado there. Mark, <laughs> it's the uh, I really don't give a crap game. So um, look. Apparently, Oregon State doesn't have much of a defense unless they were playing USC this year. So, Colorado at home. Um, what the hell? Go, go, Ralphie. <laughs> I, I literally, why not? Are you trying to buffalo this audience? I'm just saying that this is the Pac 12 this year. <laughs> I'm going to go uh, with uh, Oregon State. And I think this is going to be a real test of the type of head coach that Jonathan Smith is. If he rallies his team, that says a lot about his ability to connect with his team. I think he's done a great job up to here, obviously, but I think if he can rally his team, uh, I, I think, uh, in my opinion, uh, Colorado made a huge mistake in hiring Carl Durrell. There's nothing about Carl Durrell that says, we're, we're going to go on a dynasty from here on out. Uh, you know, you're all, I mean, it reminds me when SC lost uh, Neil Calloway, uh, he stepped down as offensive line coach in the middle of the season or whatever. Uh, and now you have the same thing that happens with Colorado. We're going to fire the line coach. Come on, give me a break. Um, all right. So I'm, I'm with Oregon State. All right. Oregon at Washington. This is the big rivalry in the Northwest. 4.30 p.m. Uh, ABC is going to cover that one. Oregon is favored by seven points. Uh, Mark, what, is it going to be the Ducks or the Huskies? I don't know. What do, what do you think of Jimmy Lake's um, motivational tactics? I mean, he literally, the week of the game, called Oregon stupid. He didn't use, he didn't use the word, but you know, he went in some direction of, we're recruiting players that these prestigious academic institutions recruit, not who Oregon recruits. So, um, yeah, I, Oregon's going to win this game. I don't know how much of the billboard has anything to do with it, but, boy, you want to get a, a team that's, you know, they think they still have a chance for the playoffs to play a little bit extra hard in their marquee game. Jimmy Lake provided all the ammunition they needed. So I, I think – where is this game being played, by the way? Uh, it's Seattle. It'll be closer, but Oregon. Okay. Uh, Eric, is it going to be close? 
No, I mean, Oregon's going to win by, by four touchdowns. That being said, there'd be no loss that I would enjoy more than if or that Jimmy Lake said what he said. Oregon's <laughs> players and fans got as fired up as they already are exactly. about this game. And then Oregon goes out and just lays an egg and, and Washington wins nine seven or, or something like that. I mean, that that would be that that would be pretty beautiful. Um, that being said, o- Oregon is just, they're they're too good up front on both sides for Washington, and Washington can't get out of its own way offensively. So, uh, yeah, or- Oregon I think pretty big. All right. Well, I I go back to the motivational part. Uh, why Lake would say what he said? I mean, you know, the bottom line is is um, he wasn't you know, wrong. By say, the way. What's that? He wasn't wrong. By the way, either. Okay, but here's the problem. They're not playing the GE College Bowl. This is not an academic competition. This is athletic. You know, if I, I was in Oregon. I had to get my Oregon. Well, that's okay. You're entitled to it. Uh, if I'm an Oregon player, I go, you know what? I don't care about my academics. If it's about academic scores, okay. I'm only concerned about the numbers on the scoreboard, and we're going to beat the pus out of you. Okay, and, uh, you know, you, you can think about that for a year when you're in your graduate school studies that we won the conference and you didn't. Um, so I'm going to go with Oregon because I do think they're going to be motivated. And I'm, if, you know, a name that we really aren't hearing at all about, like in the, the Trojans uh, coaching Kennedy is uh, Cristobal. You know, everybody keeps thinking, well, everyone's got kind of a part eye on that Miami job thinking if that opens up, if there was a job to go back to, it'd be his alma mater where he grew up. So be that as it may, I'm taking I'm taking Oregon by uh, two touchdowns. All right, the last one, of course, we always saved last. Uh, our beloved Trojans, uh, USC at Arizona State, 7:30 p.m. ESPN, ASU by ten points. Is that accurate, Eric? Ten's probably yeah around there. I, I just you know I'm I'm tired of kind of picking based on oh what's the best case scenario for USC hey maybe maybe they'll tackle well uh maybe they won't hold uh, on, on along the offensive line uh maybe they'll pay attention kind of on play action and and keep receivers in front of them maybe they'll do this maybe they'll do, they'll do this and at the end of the game we're hearing about well we just made mistakes well we just made some mistakes well it's this it's the same mistakes every week and and we're what, you know, 10, 10 weeks into this thing and, and we've played eight games and, and we've seen what they are at this point. And, and it's just a, a mistake prone team that's going to let the other team move the ball up and down the field and, and score points. Uh, and, and so I, I just I have a really hard time seeing USC going out to Tempe and, and beating Arizona State. And then I'm going to talk myself into, well, if if Jackson Dark gets hot and if Keaton Slovis feels that fire and, and he plays well and, and they can kind of figure things out, Keontae Ingram's running the ball really well. And we've seen these other receivers in practice. And, and Jackson Dart talked about when you see Drake London out there, it's hard not to throw it to him. But he also said, looking at film, these other guys are open and, and we can throw it to them. So, yeah, you know, I'll talk myself into thinking, hey, SC's got a, got a shot at this. And if everybody shows up, they can do it. But no, I, you know, Based on what you're saying, if, if it's a 10-point uh, game, Arizona State wins, that that would not be a surprise at all. You agree, Mark? No, of course I'm not going to be surprised. Um, but again, I'm going to go back to my point that this is going to be one of those really vicious, mistake-filled turnovers, everything. The team that scores last wins game. Um, it's just... I, I've seen enough of ASU to, to see, you know, that, you know, we know that USC makes mistakes. ASU has players that it's almost like they don't care that they make mistakes. It's almost like they get supported every time they make a, a more violent tackle or, or create a penalty that they shouldn't have. Um, it's a good personality when you're playing defense, but it's kind of permeated all over their team. Um, again, I, I think the team that scores – the ball that has the ball last wins. So I'm going to say ASU with a field goal at the end. How's that? Okay. Well put. Uh, I'm going to go with the points. Uh, I'm taking ASU. I think they have better players, a better system. Uh, 
their better players make the mistakes that the not so much better players at SC has. But I just I just don't see without Drake London, uh, SC scoring enough points. And if Arizona State's running attack, which is fully capable of being very lethal, they've got good running backs, really good running backs. If they get on a roll, and if, I know we're playing the if game here, if they don't create what we expect to be the penalties on penalties uh, from ASU and somehow they clean up their act a little bit, because I know SC is going to have penalties, that I know. Uh, I, I, I just think SC is going to have a tough time there. And uh, we'll see what happens. So, all right, guys, uh, let's wrap this thing up. A reminder again that USC is back on the road this Saturday evening at Arizona State. Kickoff is at 7.30 p.m. It'll be televised on ESPN. Uh, next Tuesday, we'll review the Arizona State game, preview the Cal game. Uh, we'll get the latest on the search for a new USC football coach, speak to uh, topics that relate to college football, both USC and nationally. So until then, next Tuesday, we thank you, panel. We thank uh, to our on three technician, Jake Evans. We thank all of you for watching or listening to Inside the Trojan Settle. And so from there on in, fight on, everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.